But I found ways of being innovative or I get up an hour early, which used to kill me. But when you have a purpose, you do anything, don't you? So that's what I did. Welcome to the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Now, with a few exceptions, most of my guests on this podcast have been established coaches, some a few years into their practice, others even a few decades. And today I'm talking with someone who is relatively early on in her career as an independent coach yet has already had a very rich and varied career in leadership, um, specializing in working with entrepreneurs and in some very male-dominated industries, including, this one that intrigued me, including being the CEO of the Isle of Man TT races. Wow. Um, she reached out to me, describing herself as a ginger punk-inspired misfit <laughs> and executive coach from the Isle of Man. And we had a wonderful conversation about her career, about coaching, about a mutual friend and about life. And as I've said many times on this podcast, one of the beautiful things about this profession is the varied nature of people in it and the work that they do. And I absolutely love to meet people who truly embrace being themselves and bring all of themselves to the table so in that respect i am super excited i'm gonna use that term in honor of our mutual friend super excited to welcome today's guest carol glover hello hello phil and i'm super excited to be here super super here we are this is the episode that i've been looking forward to for a while okay so um you know as i said you had a wonderful varied career before you you started this path of independent coaching um and quite frankly we could spend a few hours probably talking about all of that but um how about you give us some background to that and what it was in that career that led you to explore becoming a coach Right. Thanks, Phil. And hello, everyone. Um, well, I grew up in the Isle of Man and I went off to England to uh, do a degree and I got into an amazing career in retailing at a time when that was growing like mad in the world and in Britain. Um, and I started to move quickly through the retailers I worked for, uh, started with Littlewoods went off to work for Halfords and I had the most amazing time at Halfords, uh, which was very odd because um, I was a female and there weren't many of those about and, um, you know, possibly because it was in the automotive business. But hey, but I had a marvellous time there. And the big thing that happened was I it, it was in a big, big period of change. And we talk a lot today about change management and how to do it. Well, this is the most meteoric change that I had ever been involved in in my career when I was there. And a new younger team came in and I was only in my late 20s and became head of buying for Halfords um, and used to travel all over the world buying. And then when I was about th early 30s, I became head of their automotive business. And the reason this story is interesting or interesting, I hope, is I have no idea how a car works and I still have no idea how a car works because I'm a leader and I've been a leader most of my career. And so I have to get the best out of all the people who do know. And that is something that has, has served me throughout my own working life. Um, I've had many, many jobs since. Um, I, Bill has mentioned the TT races. I run IT for a really high, a really high performing IT team currently in my, in my day job that I'm transitioning from. And I don't know how it all works, but I do know how to get the best out of the people that work it all. And therefore, about, you know, I, this is this is basically formed the um, bedrock for my coaching career, because I need to talk to people, I need to understand people, and I need to help people find their best skill set to do their job the best they can without knowing it myself. And I hope that sounds familiar to coaches that are listening, because that's what we're all doing. So actually, I've been doing coaching most of my career, either whether I've known it or I haven't known it, but I'm now able to name it. And I know you mentioned in our previous conversation um, around doing coaching like in a corporate environment for a company where you've coached people 
um, from a company perspective, which is very different to the coaching that you're, you know, that you're exploring now. But in what way? Maybe we, could you share a little bit about in what way yeah. is that different? Yeah, I think, and and I think it's both about time and place as well, Phil. This one, and um, so so if you go back sort of like twenty or thirty years when I was coaching in a big UK corporate environment, um. The company had its goals and objectives, and most people felt in those days there was a right and a wrong way to do everything. So your coaching was more um, shaping people into the behavior that the organization wanted from the individual. And sometimes, as we know, with people, that can be very difficult. But we used to have to do it with almost everybody in that era because we felt this good, this is good, this is bad. And I think as time has gone on, um, we now are in a, a mass an, an incredible era of people. I mean, I love the people era and I particularly love the young people era because they want everything on their terms. And the best thing that we can do is help them find all the good stuff within themselves, bring it to the fore and meet the objectives. Now, as you know, I'm in the interesting position of being still in a I wouldn't say a corporate role. I work for a very entrepreneurial organization currently, as well as coaching um, professionals and entrepreneurs. And I think the same is, is becoming more true, that finding the best skill set everywhere you can with people, whatever they're doing, is important. But I think if you are still believing there's a right and a wrong way to do things in a corporate environment, it's a very tricky place to be in the modern world. Um, because... I've never seen change like oh, I've never experienced change um, at the rate at which it's happening at the moment. And the people, the most important thing is your people are comfortable to be around a changing environment. And I think, you know, I live on a small island and change in the Isle of Man is not one of their favorite things. So, you know, helping people change in the Isle of Man is a really important thing to do. So I, I'm curious, really, what is it that had you look at? coaching outside of outside of your day job so to speak and and look now to be developing that as an independent career well this is a an interesting story uh, as, as most of my stories are but we haven't got five hours as you've said um <laughs> I'm the eldest of five girls and I grew up in the Isle of Man and our dad was desperate to have a son and he didn't ever have a son but we all decided he wanted a son. So we decided to never, ever make him regret not having a son. So my, I have had my career and I've worked all over the world, as I've told you. But my second sister is a world famous professor of neuroscience in the Pacific Northwest in Vancouver and Seattle. And a couple of years ago, I went to visit her and I was amazed by, you know, the, the things she was doing and getting up to. And I have to be honest that I feel that at that time in my own in my own way, I wasn't pushing myself and I wasn't moving myself forward. Um, and when I came back, I thought, you know what, Carol, you need to do something that really floats your boat, really matters to you. So I sat down and thought really hard about it. And my favorite thing I've ever done in, in any of my work is developing younger people always. So I set about deciding how I was going to do that. And I also, I think I shared with you as well, Phil, my husband and I, we have um, traveled a lot and we particularly love India. And I have ha have this, I'm almost like a teenager inside. I have this idea <laughs> that I am going to live in India and coach and mentor young Indian entrepreneurs because I love the country. And I really believe that if I can develop that skill set, then I can put a lot into somewhere that I absolutely love. So, of course, I've been to Seattle. I come back here. I start to really reflect, really reflect. And I decide that I want to embark on that and I want to do it in a way that I can go to India or other places and I can help young people grow and develop. But equally, I'm doing it a lot where I live now. I mean, this is a huge part of what I do now. And I absolutely adore it. Um, I want to help these, these people um, connect with all their best skills and do their best work and know that they can be much, much better. And I need to live that as well, because, you know, the age I made this decision, and I think this is an important message for people who may be listening, the age at which I made this decision is probably the age a lot of people are thinking about their pension and when they're, you know, what, what, what they're going to do as they take it easy. 
Um, I can only say to anybody who's thinking that, you know, I am um, um, having a full time job as well as coaching. I studied for um, ILM level seven. I've done the EMCC senior practitioner accreditation and I did those. Because I read a lot about coaching. I remember I had to do a piece of work on the coaching on coaching is in the Wild West about three years ago. And I did that. And I thought, well, I'm not going to be. And I'm going to follow best practice as much as I can. Not because I'm some sort of compliance nerd, because you cannot be a ginger punk inspired disruptive leader and a compliance nerd. So I am not those. But I wanted to make sure that I had the things in my back pocket that would matter to other people wherever I go and whatever I do. And on a similar note, something else I'd like to talk about from my personal position is supervision. I have had supervision all the way through my journey because I have a full-time job and I coach. And as I explained to Phil, in the last three years, I've coached 27 people on top of working in in, in a job. And I was, you know, I knew there was a potential to put myself at risk and I have had the most amazing coaching. Um, I'm in the Isle of Man. I wanted it to be a person in the Isle of Man. And so it's a psychotherapist who coaches me and works with me. And it's been fantastic. And I know that I've got um, a very good objective friend of my own who helps me. But of course, what Phil knows is that I'm also um, being coached assiduously at the moment and have been for three months by our mutual friend, Jason Goldberg. And that has been so unbelievably life-changing, I can't tell you. You know, the pleasure to be able to work with someone like Jason and to interact with him and to learn from what I see as his greatness. And, you know, I'm talking to Phil today and I'm sure Phil feels the same about Steve Chandler, who I know he worked with once with Jason, because these people take us to completely new places. And, you know, believing in yourself, believing in the possible This is where I am today. I absolutely am. And I want to make sure that everyone who works with me believes in the possible themselves. So this is this is about my journey and where I am and how I've done it. And final point on this is Bill and I, you know, Bill is in Norwich. I'm in the Isle of Man. Ipswich. Ipswich. Oh, God, I've insulted you. Oh, I'm sorry. I swore. swore I'll edit that bit out. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my God. I'll be fired from the podcast. Um, anyway, we, we we can do anything with anyone at the moment in the modern world, you know, by hooking up with them and gaining, you know, support and expertise and help. And, and I absolutely love that. Coaching 27 people on top of uh, your corporate job. That's quite something. And, you know, I really want to honor you as well for being willing to come on here and share this lovely energy that you have and the excitement you have around this and and that there is this uh, a deeper desire to do something with this, to do something with your with your career as an independent coach elsewhere in India. Mm. I really I really love that. And how how have you managed to fit that all in? Because I imagine, you know, that your daytime job is is not the least demanding you know, um, it's not uh, with all respect to barristers and what have you, but I, I, I like to compare with that because it's probably quite a job that I quite fancy, really. Going and be a barrister, serving coffee and talking to people all day, and then, mm. you know, you close the door at the end of the day and that's done. But I would uh, hazard a guess that uh, in your daytime job, that's not the case. So how have you managed? What 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 for you have, have you found, like, the most challenging in in all of that? Well, I'm speaking to coaches here because how many, especially exec coaches, how many of your clients turn up and say there isn't enough time? There isn't enough time. There isn't enough time. I can't fit it all in. And I've always had um, I've always had roles where I like to challenge, change and push myself and, you know, push organizations forward. I don't like to push people who don't want to be pushed. I've never done that. But I like things to be varied. I have spent the last 10 years running a drama group for people with learning difficulties. And I've also been involved in raising um, a great group that raises awareness and money for breast cancer um, research. So what I did immediately was I had to step back from both of those because I couldn't do those as well. Um, And so that was the first thing. The, The first thing I the thing that I absolutely know is you just need a plan. 
And I'm sorry, it's that simple, guys, but you just need a plan. And the second thing uh, I know, and we know through ourselves as, as coaches and from our clients, is we have a choice. We can go all in and commit, or we can't. And I'm totally an all in and commit person. You know, there isn't a mountain I couldn't move if I wanted to move it. So I set myself the challenge to do what I did. And I actually ended up doing it um, quicker than I expected because I rigorously planned my diary. I rigorously planned it. And the great thing about that, um, for the way my mindset works, the great thing about that was when I set all the boundaries around the use of my time, I really, really stuck to them, really stuck to them. And I created so much free time, um, you can't see me do the little free thing, but so much free time, that um, it wasn't so difficult. Now, what I also did, though, was my clients were people who knew that they were helping me as much as I was helping them. And therefore, they were extremely flexible. So not in the sense that, you know, someone like yourself, Phil, and other, you know, senior established coaches would perhaps be. But my clients were always very supportive, knowing what I was doing. And they wanted, in a funny way, to help me as much as I wanted to, you know, be part of their assistance. So it was very mutually supportive. But that didn't make it, you know, um, it it didn't cross any boundaries, and it didn't cross any lines at all. Um, And so I did it. And of course, as well as coaching all of those clients, I had to complete assignments, I had to evidence it all. Um, And it's, yeah, I'm sitting at the table in my in in my spare room at home at the moment where I did all of this. And there are boxes under the table with it all in. But I was meticulously organized. I was meticulously organized. But, you know, I'm a leader and I've done things like this and I've done huge projects. You mentioned the TT races. You know, you cannot believe how much organization it takes to run the TT races and how few people do it, how few people are actually involved because a lot of volunteers are involved. So I I know how to do this and I'm very fortunate that I am. And one of the conversations I've had with Jason Goldberg, and there are, there are a few ways he and I believe we're similar, and he's even started vocalizing it now. I thought maybe I was dreaming that we'd been separated at birth or something. Um, but he, um, no, one of the ways he's vocalized it is that he and I both have a skill that we know, which is that we can take in lots of comp- competing information and deadlines and make sense out of them and order them. Now, I'm fortunate. So that that's probably how I've done it, Phil. But if someone else were wearing my shoes and they're working and they want to study and they want to start coaching, then you need to organize your time. You need, first thing is give up something because, you know, so much of the, the, the sort of self-help message around this is if you want to do something, then give up something else because time isn't unlimited. But every one of us has time that we we waste, every one of us. So another thing to do is maybe make a list of where all your time goes each week. If you're going to work, you know you're at work. Everyone has um, a lunch break. I, I have been a person who hasn't been so mad on taking lunch breaks. For three years, I took lunch breaks. I did things that mattered to my coaching business at lunch lunchtime, even if it was the admin that went with it or if it was writing up notes of of sessions and making sure I was producing the evidence. I was fresh. I coached at six o'clock in the evenings. I I live in the Isle of Man. I'm lucky. I don't have a big commute, um, you know, which made my life much easier because I saw people in person. They were all in person, the people. And I also developed some clients, some younger ones, entrepreneurs. I would go power walking on a Sunday morning and one of them would come with me and we would do the coaching while we went power walking. Oh, that was more mentoring, I would say, that one, um, those two clients. But I found ways of being innovative or I get up an hour early, which used to kill me. But when you have a purpose, you do anything, don't you? So that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. And and, um, (laughs) I'm going to like I want to poke around there a little bit because I still believe Uh that. Um, there's things there that I get it that that it is a challenge and um, but you've offered us you've offered us all a solution but I'm wondering about you Carol what did you find most difficult in all of that um I think 
I think it's very true to say conflict. You know, I had a day job and I had my coaching business. And sometimes I can sit here like Anne of Green Gables and the world is perfect and it was all okay. And it really wasn't. And so you get that um, conflict in your head of, oh, God, you know, I'm going to have to change this and I'm going to maybe have to leave early and I'm going to have to do this. Um, But I work with the chief executive of a company. He has and, and the company have been really supportive of my journey. So that's something else I should have said that they've been very supportive. So on the days when I've said, you know, I've dropped the ball, I'm going, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. They've been fine because they know I'll make it up and they know I'll make it back and they know. So I actually would say that's very important, that it's very hard to do do it in the way like that I've done it as, a, as what they call a side hustle to date, um, to do it without your company supporting you. Um, but what I will say to you is that I, I know, and, I, and this is not a boast, I know I have repaid them because I am sharper more focused and better at getting the best out of the people who report to me than I was three years ago. Um, and so I, I I feel it's quite a win-win. And, and, you know, I sound like the eternal optimist, and I really am not. Um, but I do know sitting here today how good it feels to have been through this massive journey and to come out of it better on two counts, whereas I thought I was going to come out as a, you know, a coach and a, and, and a moving forward coach and all of that is happening to me. But actually, my my lack of attention to detail in my day job is astounding and it's great. I've never been a detail person. You can probably tell by me that I'm not a detail person, but I have dropped detail completely. Um, you know, there were times when in the past I perhaps would have had the time and been tempted to get, think I could improve something and do it. No, none of that now. Don't do that. No point. Decisive, focused, that's it. And, and what I love is what I'm getting from you is there's this kind of no messing attitude. It is like, like let's just get stuff done if you want to do it you do it you get it yeah. you get it done um yeah. there was something you mentioned as well in in our in our uh, first conversation about soft skills really um you know the word in itself the description there yeah. is perhaps um doesn't represent the value <clears throat> that they provide i think you said something like soft skills are really a superpower so can you yes. tell us a little bit more about that and what's had you see that what kind of evidence you've seen of that well that's actually becoming a mantra of mine for 2019 And um, I spoke to some young lawyers last week and I told them that I want them to work on their superpowers this year um, because that's what I'm going to call it. And I spoke to a senior, I had lunch with a senior lawyer yesterday and had exactly the same conversation with her and she completely agreed with me. Um, What I'm picking up, and this is quite amusing and I'm glad you raised it because I wanted to talk about it. So, you know, I've worked with with entrepreneurs all over the world. I worked for the biggest entrepreneur in, in Britain And I work for the biggest entrepreneur in the Isle of Man. I coach entrepreneurs um, and I love it. So I was thinking, as we do, this is my perfect um, person to coach entrepreneurs. Um, But of course, what I've learned on my journey is it's not the people you want to coach that are the right people for you. It's the people who want you to coach them. And what I'm finding is that people from some of the more structured backgrounds and corporate world, are finding me to coach them and interact with them because they realize, and, and, you know, I think, Phil, we talked about this. I love Carol Dweck. I love um, growth mindset. Um, I hope people listening can realize by all the weird and strange things that I've done in my career and life that um, I'm a big growth mindset person. I, I think I have, well, I've had a growth mindset longer than Carol Dweck has had the term. But um, I love it. And I love the opportunity to think differently and do new things. And, you know, even on Friday last, there was a a problem that came up about an event I'm doing in a couple of weeks time. And a young person with absolutely mega social media skills asked me for all of these things that she might as well have asked me, you know, in Swahili. I had no idea what she meant. And I put the, the, the message down and I sat and thought a word I won't repeat now um, on, in, in polite company like this. And then five minutes later, I said to myself, Carol, you've got a growth mindset. Sort it out. And I did. And it's, it was sorted out instantly uh, because I went and asked an 18 year old in the building what the hell what the heck it all meant. And that was fine. So um, in terms of what you, you know, in terms of this soft skills business, um, People are finding their way to me 
because they realize they're in professions that are expert and pretty fixed and also contextually we're in the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man's um, you know, economy is running on compliance, banking, uh, accountancy, law, regulation. These are all very clever people, but these people are all very used to being technically adept at everything. So what I'm finding is that um, I, I actually coach um, a senior partner in a, a law firm. That's, that has been one of my clients. And often I've had to say to him, are you a leader or a lawyer? And it's a very hard, if you meet somebody in that scenario, it's a very hard question. I'm sure you, everyone knows this, they're all nodding sagely, but you know, this is the first time it happened to me because I've had so many first time experiences in the last three years with my journey. But you know, are you a leader or are you a lawyer? And it was very hard to ever get him to say the word leader. What I've now got is two young lawyers that I coach who are lawyer leaders and they're learning from a young age to be a leader and a lawyer, whereas, you know, it was quite difficult. Um, and I think I also told you, Phil, that I've had a booking to do some work for some uh, a professional accounting body to, um, you know, teach what they're calling soft skills. And I'm like, well, I hate this word and I hate the fact that people even use it. And the reason that I, I think people are, are misjudging this whole area is that there are robots coming and robots can do most of the stuff that a lot of people can do. But people who have human skills, creativity skills, who have um, problem solving skills, who can communicate and who can interact, it is going to be harder and harder to replace those people. And I actually gave a big talk at Christmas to the Chamber of Commerce in the Isle of Man on this very subject, saying that, you know, I feel an opportunity in the modern world is to, to grow these areas of greatness that focus on excellence in these interpersonal communication and creativity skills. And I think it's slowly being understood and embraced, but not at the speed it should, because the robots are coming far quicker than people know. And I don't mean that, you know, it sounds like I'm paranoid about the robots, but I lead a tech team. They're obsessed with them. It's very obvious probably to our listeners that you are fully in this and you're fully engaged with what's going on with businesses, with commerce, where you are in the Isle of mm. Man. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering how are people finding you and to what extent are you leveraging, if you like, your previous connections? How, how, how are people finding you and, and getting engaged with you or indeed you with them? <laughs> well, one of the reasons that I've been training with Jason Goldberg is this very, very, very subject, um, Phil, because one of the things that um, I would say my objective when I started training with Jason was that I need to grow my awareness outside the Isle of Man because, you know, he is teaching me. To, he, he, you know, Jason uses words like awesome. And he always says to me, Carol, you are so awesome. And, do you know, that's the first time I've ever used the word awesome about myself. I apologize, listeners. Please stop cringing. Um, but I am building a, a following online. This is what I'm doing now. And I've, I've improved on LinkedIn substantially. Um, I am going to be opening um, up a Facebook group this year. It's one of my objectives. And I'm going to be doing um, work there. But also, I think I think I said to you, I, I have an objective to do podcasts and speaking because it's. I'm, I'm living in the Isle of Man. Uh, I explained to you, Phil, before there aren't that many coaches in the Isle of Man. There's a, a very small handful of coaches. Um, it's quite difficult to interact with groupings. Um, in terms of business, yes, I have business contacts in the UK and I have made some connections there which are going to bring me some business in this year from, you know, for my own development purposes as much as anything else. But I'm also leveraging more people who have businesses in the Isle of Man and the UK because I think that's a good opportunity for me. And the north of England is a big opportunity. You know, I have some good contacts in Liverpool and Leeds area. But I do want to get outside of the Isle of Man because um, I hear a lot about, um, well, I still, to my disappointment, I hear a lot about how much women are struggling, particularly to break glass ceilings and get into senior roles and, you know, really make the impact that they should be able to do. And I've been able to do all of that. 
And I need to share some of whatever it is I've got within me with people so that they know it can be done. Because, you know, when I, I want other people to aspire to be the best that they can be, not feeling that there are fake barriers, uh, you know, that, that, that to, I think the world is changing a lot, though. You know, I, I coach some under 20, well, mentor some under 25s, and they don't see a difference between men and women. You know, they've grown up not seeing a difference that my generation and generations after me saw. So I really do hope optimistically that that, you know, the, the way things are will continue in that way. But I've never been in the, um, you know, I've been, I've struggled and it's been hard and it's been difficult camp. And um, what I would say, though, is a lot of the clients who are finding me are female. Yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, how are they? How are they funny? Is it via LinkedIn or is it via um, connections that are established, you know, in your existing career? I would say it's by um, connections that I have already yeah. um, in, in, in my both in my well, in my career and also the amount of things I've done in the Isle of Man, because I'm a director here of the Chamber of Commerce. I'm a director of the business agency, which is the Department of Economic Development. And as such, I meet a lot of people who come to the Isle of Man and interact uh, with the Isle of Man. But my purpose in, you know, at asking you if I could come on the podcast today was to unleash myself on the wider world, really. Um, because, you know, I don't want to, I, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still wanting to um, grow and develop as a coach. I'm nowhere near where I believe I can be, but I'm going, to, I'm as good as I possibly can be today. So. Yeah. Love that. And I, I really wanted to bring that out because it looks like you, you know, like I've said before, that you have you have this real wonderful energy. You are you are in it, completely in it. And yes, you are leveraging like everything that's in front of you, everything that's around mm. you. And uh, it's when I talk to other coaches, they they that that stuff's very often overlooked, as if you mm. know, oh, we need to be meeting um, new people. But there's a lot going on already in our mm. world and a lot of mm. opportunities that sit in front of us that we that we don't see because we're not willing to have the conversations about what we're up to. So I guess I, I'm also wondering then how have some of those conversations come about when you've, um, you know, with existing connections, how have you encroached upon the subject of you doing coaching independently? And also... Um, yeah, what have you found as being perhaps the biggest barrier to you becoming a coach? Well, the first question is quite interesting because I would say two-thirds of the people that I've coached have been existing connections. And the interesting thing about that was uh, I mentioned that I'm in um, EMCC before and they have a code of ethics. And I went through that because, of course, I'm in the Isle of Man. I'm not in a, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of meeting people and doing everything. I mean, I do know a lot of people. Um, so that has been that has been really interesting. But something that I inherently know, I'm sure I, it won't surprise anybody listening to hear that I'm a chatterbox. I'm sure that won't surprise anyone. So and I'm also from the Isle of Man and I'm also have traveled the world a lot on my own in business. So I talk to everybody I meet everywhere I go and I make connections that you just wouldn't imagine. And wherever <laughs> I have to tell you that I went to the Evercoach Summit in L.A. Um, and um, I went for lunch one day with a lady who was a coach who I met there. And while we were having a chat about coaching, a young woman came over to us and said, I hear you're um, talking about coaching. I'm desperate to get a coach. Would you be able to coach me, please? Um, and I gave her my card and the other lady, but I actually said this other lady's in Los Angeles. She might be a little bit handier for you. So the next day I thought this is so weird. The next day I was at the airport and I was charging my iPhone at the airport and there was a lady next to me and she was American going to Portugal. And she said, um, what do you do? And I told her all about it. And she said, here's my card. Um, can I contact you when I get back? Because I'd like to get coached. And this is something that Jason, um, you know, will talk about a lot to us about where the opportunities lie. Um, I'm, I'm meeting someone tomorrow that I bumped into in the opening of I, I mentor some young, really funky young people over here that run a business who um, uh, had a nightclub at Christmas, a pop up nightclub. And I met a young guy in there and he's a really fast moving tech entrepreneur. 
And he's contacted me for a coffee, having met him, not in the nightclub, because, you know, I, I didn't stay half the night. I would have liked to, but I'm getting on a bit now and my knees won't take it. But um, he, I'm meeting him tomorrow for a coffee. He's contacted me. So, you know, it sounds like there may be something that I can help him with. Um, and that's great. Um, the biggest barriers, um, biggest barriers were realizing I was in the Isle of Man. And I have to be honest that when I started my journey, I thought I was going to be coaching people in, you know, my room. And I now know that isn't the model. Um, and therefore, I did wonder where I was going to get all the people in the Isle of Man from. And I think that's a concern and a worry that people have. Where are you going to find people? Um, but equally, the biggest problem you have coaching in the Isle of Man is that people do know everybody and no one wants people to know they're being coached. You know, in um, in L.A., where I, I spent some time this year, it's a badge of honor to be coached in the Isle of Man. No one wants to, you know, anyone to know they're being coached. So I would say that's quite a big barrier. I think the other one is really important to talk about at my stage as well is what you charge people. Because when we're starting out, and remember I said before I was studying and I was asking people to be flexible. And also, unlike the people who, you know, bravely go all in on day one and create their business, that is their income. I, I, I have an income at the moment from what I do in my day job. And Jason always says to me, that's a big plus and a big advantage. But I think that we do get all get into a mess about what to charge people. And I think that is one of the big barriers for junior and fledgling co and, you know, coaches who, especially in the scenario that I've been in, where there aren't many other people to ask. And there aren't. And, you know, most of the coaches I know over here are HR people who have jobs in HR who coach as well. And um, so I would say that is a big problem and a big barrier for someone who's at the stage that I'm in. Now, being on the coaching course with Jason has really helped me understand that. And of course, being on such a course, I work with um, 11 other people who are all over the world and they were all at different stages in their journey. And I learn from them what they do. And we have, you know, our own calls and we have our own peer work. And that is amazing. And I think earlier on, I mentioned supervision as being important. Well, so is peer work, especially if you're a fledgling coach. You absolutely have to have people that you trust, that you can talk to honestly and openly, not just about the business stuff, but the business stuff is a pain. Uh, the, the pricing, the invoicing, the how you run the business because I find there isn't a lot of good best practice work about this. And I think it's an opportunity for coaching to get some standardization in some of this. You know, if only we could have, if there is, unless Phil, you know, there's an app where, which is run your coaching business app. And if there isn't an opportunity is out there waiting for someone. Um, because I've been thinking about that myself, because, you know, I'm a sort of a change agent, disruptive leader. And I'm like, God, you know, if I created the time, I design something around how to, you know, take the running how you run your business bit off the table and then focus on being the best possible coach that you can be when you're meeting somebody new say like somebody who was working at this nightclub and whatever how, how yeah. do those kind of conversations come about how do they go how do they go um ooh. Well, I just chat, you know, I always chat and I say, I don't, I don't say things like, oh, I love coming out. <laughs> I love coming out dancing. I love coming to nightclubs and the people, what, what, what happens a lot to me and it's very peculiar because, you know, I have a lot of young people that I mentor and they're very, I mean, I was at a restaurant this weekend, the opening of a restaurant that's a group that I meant, a, a young woman I mentor. And so when I go to these things, they introduce me to people as their mentor, which helps because then people go, you have a mentor or you have a coach. Now, I said before that the professional people that I work with, um, the, the, the sort of, I don't mean that these people are unprofessional, that sounds terrible. Um, the more senior, older professional people are still of a mindset where personal development, oh, that's not something I need to talk about. And it, isn't it, I'm weak if I don't do it. And, you know, if, 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 I, if I tell people or if people know, they'll think that I'm not the strong, great leader that I'm supposed to be. Whereas the young people are more like the Californian people where they're like, they're, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know, I know Jay Shetty. I know Gary Vaynerchuk. I know Tom Bilyeu. I know Jason Goldberg. I know, I don't know these people, by the way. I 
know of these people, Vishen Lakiani, Ajit Navalka. You know, I know all these people because the young people are so connected in a way that they can learn from these people and they know them. So the young people um, are starting to really talk very openly about the coaching and the mentoring that they're having. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of it's from me because I am the, the entrepreneur coaching person in the Isle of Man. So what happens is people say, well, what is this? What is this coaching that you do? You know, because they say, uh, someone will go, you have a coach. And I go, and then I go, well, and then, then I off I go. So I think the honest answer to this question is it's a bit like that. Or they recommend me to people that they know. Um, because it's so helpful. And I loved your initial response, actually, because that absolutely demonstrated that you, um, it's not something that's rehearsed. It's just, a, you're just having what a, what seems to you to be just a very natural conversation with people. And, mm. and therefore you then connect with them. And I think that is a very important message because it's certainly something that, you know, comes up in conversations when I am talking to other coaches, if I'm, you know, helping, helping others, that's a very common question is how do we connect? And it's like, well, connection is something that happens very naturally mm. when you're either mm. not trying to connect or not trying to not connect. You know, it just it yes. just is something that just happens very naturally. I think we also know, Phil, that if we can't connect with somebody, they're probably not a good fit to coach as well. So, you know, I find that anyway, although I have to tell you that the the life that I've led in business and being non-technical in very technical areas means that I find any way I can to connect with somebody. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you that a long time ago I was promoted to I, I was at Halfords and I was in charge of stock control and distribution. And the director in charge wanted to promote me to be in charge of buying. And I was like, no, I don't. I'm not creative. I don't do these things. And, and you know, I do stock control and distribution. And anyway, they made me go and have some. They didn't make me. They suggested I went and had some a load of psychometric testing and, and results. And what came back really strongly, which was a, a big, you know, these are hard moments and cathartic things. I've never forgotten this was how much. I like to understand other people and what other people need and what other people want and how they, how that, what makes them tick really. And this was a long time ago. This was 30 years ago. And I have always known that that is one of my superpowers. I know it and I celebrate it. And a bit like Carol Dweck, you know, Daniel Goleman comes along and calls it emotional intelligence. And I go, tick, that's mine as well. You know, I'm not this brilliant, brilliant genius person, but my skill set is my skill set. And I know what it is mm -hmm. and I want to use it and I want to help other people with it. Um, in a, a really genuine and honest way. My chief executive often says to me, um, because he knows how much I do outside of my work, and he says, stop giving advice to people and helping people and encouraging people. And I'm like, but it's me. It's my way. It's what I do. You mentioned um, coaching in India. What What is it? How does that look at the moment? What needs to happen for that to, for that to come to fruition? Well, me, do you know, I just need to turn it on. I mean, I live in the Isle of Man. I have a husband and I have two little old dogs. My two little old dogs will not go to India. So there's obviously, a, you know, a secondary storyline there about that. Um, this is funny because at Evercoach Summit, one of the um, one of the exercises I did was put your big, you know, your big dream down on paper and say, what's stopping you? This is a great story. So for two days at Evercoach Summit, I sat next to a wonderful lady called Myrna on my left. And I sat ne next to another wonderful lady called Monica on my right. And I'd never met either of them. Now, bearing in mind that I was head of buying for Halfords, and this was all coaches, I eventually got talking to the lady next to me about coaching. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, my background was in retail. And this lady goes, mine was in retail too. And anyway, it turns out that she'd been the head of buying for a big um, American retailer and I'd been the head of buying for a UK one. And I thought of all the people in the room to sit next to, this is amazing. So when I did the exercise about going to India, I was partnered with Monica, who was on my right. And you had to talk to the, the next person about how they were going to help you do it. And I knew that Monica um, lived in, in the East Coast of America and that she had a podcast that that she um broadcast and it was called talking voices 
And I thought, oh, okay. So I said to um, Monica, Monica, I would like to um, do this. This is my dream. I don't really know where to start, but when I'm absolutely wedded to my dream, I'll find the way because that's me. And Monica said, well, the first thing to do is to contact me because my podcast goes to India to 2.8 million people. So, (laughs) and you know, they say the law of attraction. So anyway, about six, uh, about six weeks before Christmas, the, um, the head of the Chamber of Commerce in the Isle of Man had been to the Commonwealth Business Conference in London, and he had made a contact with a man from the Indian Embassy who's, who he was going to invite to the Isle of Man to come and do some work here. And he's the head of mentorship programs for um, emerging businesses in India. So when you sort of tongue in cheek ask me the question, I think I possibly know two good starting points to do that. But what I've also done, because my 18 year olds have been giving me some really good input as well, is that I've got a lot of online friends in India now in business, Um, you know, and I've. I've invited them and then some of they they have then got other people to invite me. So um, there's the groundwork is being done. That's that's what I would say. And that's what you have to do. I'm not going to get a flight to India and rock up there and go, hello, I'm here. That's that's possibly not my winning strategy on this one. And it doesn't sound like that will be anything like necessary either. Actually, it doesn't mm. like it already is unfolding. Yeah. It already is yeah. unfolding. Yeah. 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 So um, to, to, to come to a close, really, f- for you, what's what's perhaps the biggest thing that you have learnt um, over the last two or three years that's helping you make this transition and helping you create this this new career as a coach? I think the biggest thing I've learnt is the power of coaching. I think the biggest thing I've learned is how people can change. And I have a couple of clients whose transformations have been, I've got clients who've transformed. All of my clients have improved, but I've got a couple um, and particularly to, you know, one is a senior professional who has made such a shift as a person on so many topics and areas and their business has shifted unbelievably as a result. And I'm not sure that I didn't believe that before I started, but my goodness, I believe it now. Um, that has to be that has to be it. Um, I really enjoy it. I'd like to say that that is is something that I I, I really enjoy, and I think I talked to you um, when we we chatted. Is I've mentioned what a chatterbox I am, and I did my um, ILM course at Bangor, and on day one they said right on the um, piece of paper what your biggest barrier will be to being an effective coach, and I wrote I can't stop talking. Um, And ever since I wrote that on the piece of paper, I've been hyper conscious of it. And I have worked really, really hard at that. And I'm proud of the work, the work that I've done. Um, And I've really learned how to be a coach. And I want to tell you a little story that came to me recently. I have a client. I have two clients who are a married couple. I coached the husband first and then he recommended his wife. And now the brother-in-law wants to come, but I don't want more than one family member at a time. Um, And they were talking to me recently um, in in terms of me and the sort of person I am. And we were talking about um, extroverts and introverts and ambiverts and whatever all these verts are. And I said, well, of course, people always think that I'm um, a big extrovert. And I think, being honest, I probably am. Um, on on many days but I said I am never happier than when I'm on my own being quiet reflecting reading um, listening to music I really really enjoy that and the next day the the woman the wife emailed me and she said we were so interested to hear what you said because we actually think in coaching sessions we see the real Carol and I thought flip how not well I actually thought how lovely Because the trouble with leadership in corporate leadership and being in leadership is there's a lot of learned behavior. And I think I'm really starting, I don't think, I flipping know I'm starting to shed that behavior. Um, And I've I've never been typical of a corporate failure. I'm sure we can all tell this. Everybody listening is probably scratching their heads wondering about this. But I'm really shedding stuff. And one of the things that I will always thank Jason Goldberg for 
is helping me to work out that I'm a ginger punk inspired misfit and uh, to step into those shoes and to wear those shoes proudly as a coach. That is my journey. And that is where I am today. And if if we are not prepared to be and step into the shoes of the coach we can be, I don't think we can be a great coach. I think that's me. This is me talking. But this is we're possibly holding something back and, and we don't need to. It's been a wonderful conversation with you, Carol. There's a lot in here for the listeners. It absolutely is. Um, so really, yeah, thank you for, for coming and, and sharing you, showing you, and, uh, yeah, taking the time to share your journey with, with the listeners here. Thank, thank you. you. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you, everybody. And if you're a transitioning coach like me, all the very best. And there's two words, keep going. When I did my finished with my first client, the only advice they gave me was keep going, and I haven't forgotten it. Thanks, Carol. Wow. So that was Carol Glover, a very different guest to many that I've had on this podcast, also a different stage of her coaching career. And I'm super grateful and honor her for being willing to come on here and share so openly about where she is at with her coaching career. You can't help but notice just how enthusiastic she is. Now, that might be too much for some people. We had a, a little conversation about that after recording. And what I love about Carol is that she owns it. She owns her genius. She owns her strengths. She she owns all that she's been up to, all that she's done up to this point. In fact, she owns it all. She is making full use of all of her existing connections and opportunities already surrounding her and new ones as and when they arrive. And she's doing the work. She's immersed herself in taking action. The manner that she does that, the manner that she's done that, that's not for everyone, but the principle is the same. It is action that creates results. Carol is just getting on with it in a way that feels right to her. I loved how she responded when I asked her how she connects with new people because it's clear she doesn't give it much thought. She just gets on with it. She is just getting on with it and just doing it. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and got something from it too. I'd love to hear from you. What is your one thing you're going to take away from this episode and how are you going to use that? How will that affect what you do going forward i'd love to hear from you and explore with you each month i'm selecting someone from listeners that contact me to have a follow-up conversation that may be featured in a future episode of this podcast so what's your one thing you're taking away and what are you going to do with that and if you're enjoying these conversations please do share this podcast with your community and friends and also consider taking a minute to leave an honest review on itunes if you do that please let me know i may have something for you in return Wow, what an episode. 2019 is already well underway and there's lots more coming. Watch this space. Thank you once again for listening. I wish you much love and joy.